0: Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, May 5th, 2023. We've got a ton of stuff going on. MLB, a little bit of NFL, uh, all of European soccer is falling apart in front of our eyes, and um, we've also got a new segment for you. At the end of the show, we're going to debut Top 3, Bottom 3, and and we'll get into uh, explaining the actual premise of that segment when we get there, but Luke, how are we feeling? I think we've had a very eventful last week in sports.
1: Yeah, we have. Um, You know, it was fun getting to see the the draft picks roll in over the weekend Um, after our Thursday episode. And uh, um got a lot of soccer news, too. Pretty excited to go over the, some of that stuff. That's going to be fun.
0: Oh, yeah. So let's go ahead and get it started. MLB recap and a little bit of weekend preview. Anything that's happened this week that you want to talk about?
1: Um, sure. And I, I guess this isn't really a weak thing, but um, I'm just so pissed off, Grayson, that I would love to talk about how fucked my baseball team is with injuries. Um, That being the New York yeah. Yankees, of course. Josh um, Donaldson won't be back until May 8th. Giancarlo Stanton, May 30th. Uh, I think Aaron Judge is also May 8th. Um, Luis Severino, you know, once again, he's hurt. Nothing nothing surprising there, really. Uh, yeah. He won't be back until May 21st. Uh, Loisaga, one of my favorite pitchers. He absolutely can bring the heat, but he won't be bringing the heat until August 1st, Grace. True. Um, that's tough. Luis Hill is on here, too. I mean, it, Harrison Bader, like some other guys will be back, I think, like tomorrow. It's just guys that have been getting hurt. And um, Yankees, you know, are above five hundred, but last in that division. It, it's just not looking good anymore.
0: <laughs> well, it's too bad for you because my team's rolling.
1: <laughs> yeah, they are. I, I have Acuna on this list too. Um,
0: yeah, he's been uh, he, he actually, He's actually batting as we speak.
1: Oh, really? Well, yes. he leads the NL in batting war and fielding war. I, well, he I just, found that uh, out.
0: Just bad. got himself another hit, so and an RBI. There,
1: there you go. So, uh, what I read today is basically if Matt Chapman is your AL MVP, which he probably is right now, Ronald Acuna is by far your NL MVP.
0: Oh yeah, like yeah. certainly. He's been absolutely lighting it up, and he just continues to do so. Like, w- a lot of these Braves players have been kind of up and down, but the one constant throughout this entire season so far has been Ronald Acuna, and I am couldn't be happier.
1: Yeah. Um, another guy oh, that stolen I Stolen base for the-
0: Ronald Acuna, and he advanced to third on a throwing error. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> he knows we're uh, talking guy. about him. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, another guy that I wanted to talk about um, is, unfortunately, this rookie on the Red Sox who's 29 years old, and that is uh, Masataka Yoshida. Yep. Have you been hearing about this guy at all?
0: Yeah. Um, he This is his first year not in Japan, and it was kind of a big deal when he came over, but a lot of people said, like, if he's not going to be hot when it first starts, then does he really have a spot here? So... I don't know how I feel about it yet.
1: Yeah, he um kind of doing some research on him. He had a pretty like iffy start to his uh, rookie season here at the age of 29, which is just so funny to me, but you know, it happens in baseball all the time, especially with your Japanese players. Um but his last 7 games and honestly really his last 2 weeks um and his last 7 I have 23 at bats, 9 hits and only one strikeout. He's batting like a 301 average right now. He looks really really good for Boston.
0: Yeah, he's been looking very good, and Boston really needs it. Um, I think they're going into a series this weekend um, with Toronto, I believe. I could be wrong. I'll check you. No, they're going into a series this weekend with the Phillies, and um, I think they're just coming off of a Toronto series. But, yeah, the Red Sox need as much help as they can get because if they can create some separation – With the Yankees, like, look, all of the teams in the AL East have played very good. They're all still above 500 as of right now, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, the Red Sox really need to get it going because it's going to be hard to catch up to, you know, the Blue Jays, Orioles, and the Rays when the Rays and Orioles are both already at 20-plus wins, and the Blue Jays are pretty damn close.
1: Um, and I know I've been kind of talking a lot, but I, I actually want to go back, um, to the Yankees injuries. Cause there was one player, uh, one obvious player that was on my list, but I still kind of glanced over it. Um, where is Carlos Rondon? Actually, I, who is Carlos Rondon? <laughs> I, I don't even know who he is anymore. I just know that the Yankees are paying him a lot of money. And, um, I, I think I saw maybe it was a couple days ago. It even could have been a week ago. I think like with the injury in his back, it got like aggravated during rehab or whatever he was doing to like nurture it, and it like set him back even further. And it's just like, man, if you're a Yankees fan, it's so unfortunate. We're above five hundred, but the team is a hospital, and Carlos Don is like KIA.
0: <laughs> yeah, like imagine how good your rotation would look right now if. You guys actually had Carlos Rodon and Frankie Montas, who's been out this whole season and I think will be out the entire season.
1: Yeah, and, and a Garrett Cole who looks worthy for pinstripes, finally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's just been absolutely brutal. But I've been talking a lot. Do you have anything you wanted to talk about?
0: I've got plenty of stuff. So I want to start it off with Wander Franco because he's making the world mad. Oh, man. All of the young guys <laughs> love to do this. And, look, I fucking love it. Look, you can do whatever the hell you want. As long as you're not making mistakes, and Wander's not making mistakes. He, you know, if you didn't see it, fields a ground ball uh, from Brian Reynolds against the Pirates. Um, You know, easy infield play. Wander spins the ball up in the air after he fields it, grabs it out of the air, throws out Brian Reynolds at first, like he's, you know, practicing. And for some reason, people just don't think that's right. It's an unwritten rule, whatever. Well, guess what? Wander Franco. Just continues to back up all of his play because he hits a home run later in the game. Like Wanda Franco can do whatever he wants as long as he isn't making mistakes.
1: I um th- this year it seems like you know I-, I know he's always been good and he's always kind of had like that um sort of flashy fielding element to him, but this year man he has just absolutely exploded onto the scene. I, I think he's very entertaining. Personally.
0: Yeah, and-, and look if if you're one of the old people that's all bent out of shape about unwritten rules. How would you like it if we just made people stop fighting? Because that's, that's the only thing of, of unwritten rules that I care for. It, is if you throw at my guy, my guy's throwing at yours, and then we're going to fight. That's the only yeah. unwritten rule that I give a shit about. Everything exactly. else, free game.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're a boomer, just, just hit it over Wander Franco. Don't ground out to him. Yeah. Come on.
0: Yeah, if you're really this mad, you should probably just shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but let's talk uh some record-breaking news. Uh, oh. A couple of them actually uh in a row here that I've got. So Shohei Otani has joined Babe Ruth as the only other player to record 500 plus career Ks as a pitcher and 100 plus home runs as a hitter.
1: Wow. Um so you're he's joining a list that's taken 100 like 100 years for someone else to make it a part of basically.
0: Yeah, and it, it just continues to show how crazy it is that Shohei Ohtani exists in this world.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. That that's actually like to me, that's kind of what I start to look at now. When you, when it comes to like record breakers, I always see of like how long the record stood. Yeah, to me that makes it so much more impressive.
0: Yeah, I've I've got a, a few more of these. So this one's crazy. So the Royals beat the Orioles on Wednesday night. And, you know, nothing crazy in this game really happened, like, a a pretty normal night. A 6-0 win for the Royals, a struggling Royals team at that, to beat the Orioles 6-0 is great. But the biggest thing here is that the Royals batters did not strike out or draw a walk at all in this game. Whoa. And that's the first time that a winning team has done this since the Mets beat the Phillies on September 12, 2009.
1: Solid that, That's a solid record to break there.
0: <laughs> yeah, like uh, imagine, like literally every single outcome is in play.
1: yeah, that's a that must have been a fun defensive game to watch.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, and they were putting up numbers, at least the Royals were.
1: That That's a pretty good point.
0: So that one was fun. Uh, a little more history because I'm a big fan of this one. Colin Holderman of the Pittsburgh Pirates threw the 113th immaculate inning in MLB history against the Rays on Thursday, which is today.
1: Okay. 113th. Yes. Wow.
0: Immaculate, An immaculate
1: inning is a nine-pitch, three-strikeouts, right?
0: Uh, Yes. Yeah, nine-pitch, three-strikeout inning.
1: Wow, 113 players to do. It. And like I, I guarantee you, some of them are some of the players on those lists, like they don't even have to be like a star. It could have been just some like middle reliever that came in and just ended up, you know, destroying everybody he saw.
0: Yeah. And and I think, you know, now that I'm thinking about this, we kind of need to really be looking out for what an immaculate inning is because it's not just nine pitches, three strikeouts anymore because of pitch clock violations. So it's got to be nine or nine or less strikes in nine or less pitches, three strikeouts. Wow.
1: Interesting. So I guess, like, in a way, like, it's actually easier.
0: Yeah, theoretically. Yeah. Because, like, technically, you could have an immaculate inning and not throw a pitch. Yeah. Now you could. (laughs) <laughs> which uh, I doubt that's going to happen but it could happen
1: that'd be that had to be some serious form of protest if the batters <laughs> just went out there and intentionally got those strikes
0: yeah that would be crazy but uh one more little piece of history the rays today reached 20 games over 500 with their 26 and 6 record that's the earliest that a team has reached 20 games over 500 in a season since 1984,
1: hang with the Braves, the Rays, the Rays. Okay, yeah. I mean, I guess like you know, in, in baseball, teams can definitely get as hot as the Rays were at the start of the season, but I guess it's very rare to see it like right out of the gate. So that actually kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's just like twenty-six and six is crazy.
1: That's a ridiculous record to have. I mean, you literally could not have started your season better.
0: Yeah. And
1: I'll I'll even take it back at this point. It actually might be legit twenty six and six. I just thought, you know, and, and I'm sure you know this more than me, Grayson. But like, you know, baseball teams can get hot. Like it happens all the time. It happens to the bad teams. Happens to the good teams. And you know, at first I was kind of thinking that the Rays were just getting lucky. Nah, that they're they got a pretty good team. <laughs>
0: yeah, like this lineup is just undeniably very good. The rotation has been very, very good. Like, Zach Eflin went out today and was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm a strikeout pitcher, threw seven innings, only gave up three hits, no runs, no walks, 10 strikeouts in 80 pitches. Oh my God. Like, they, they, you just can't stop them. And then in their lineup, like Wander Franco just now dipping under 300, but going into this game... Wander Franco, Josh Lowe, Randy Arozarena, and Yandy Diaz were all batting over three hundred, and Low, Arozarena, and Yandy Diaz are still above three twenty-five. All of them. Holy cow! Some serious yeah. shit there, man.
1: Someone's got to stop him.
0: <laughs> yeah, Randy Arozarena—a uh, uh, surprising thing here. This is one of the first times I've seen it where he had at least one of each stat on the box score. So he had three at-bats, one run, one hit, one RBI, one home run, one walk, one strikeout. (laughs) He's covering the spread there. Yeah. (laughs) But this Rays team is just crazy. And and I think at this point, I can't question it anymore.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think anybody can. Um, One more baseball news that I wanted to talk about is the Minnesota Twins. What is going on over there? Kind of like, you know, and I know you've kind of always seen them as a joke. And I'm, of course, yes. as a Yankees fan, I've always seen the Twins as a joke. But they shit on the Yankees this year. Um, Joey Gallo is, you know, has crawled out of the cave to play well for this team in Minneapolis. Um. Which is, honestly, it's been good to see. I, I like seeing Joey Gallo play well. Um, but, you know, he's doing his typical, like, you know, 213 batting average, but his slugging percentage is really good. I still really don't, don't understand how that even makes sense. But, like, He just hits Aaron a lot Buxton. of home
0: runs and doubles.
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron Buxton. I didn't realize how good of a hitter he was.
0: Yeah, he always has been. It's just that he can't stay on the field.
1: Yeah, and it really sucks that we can't see him playing center field because I, I think he, you know, I think he has had potential to be like Kiermaier, Kiermaier level, but, you know, like you said, he can't stay on the field. Um, dang, Yeah, and all these guys are looking better than Carlos Correa, who's kind of been slow this year. And, of course, I don't think it's going to, you know, I don't think he's going to stay playing slow, but it's just kind of funny that, you know, Carlos Correa is not really contributing to all this uh, success that they're having.
0: Yeah, it's a big problem when Carlos Correa and Joey Gallo have the same batting average, and Joey Gallo actually has a higher on base percentage. Oh wow. <laughs> like that that is a, a real issue for Carlos Correa. Um I yeah. will say though, the Twins and White Sox are in the bottom of the tenth right now. So interesting stuff going on here. But yeah, that's a good game. Yeah. And um I do want to bring up the Rays sweeping the Pirates because these were the going into the series number one team in the AL versus the number one team in the NL. Obviously, the the Rays had got the best of them, but still, like a, a pretty hard fought series. A three two win for the Rays today, uh, Wednesday, eight uh, one victory, pretty dominant with Shane McClanahan on the mound, and then uh, Tuesday night, a four one win. But the Pirates just are, still look. Pretty good in my eyes. I, I know this was a tough series for them, but I, I really think that they have a good thing going uh, primarily based on youth. And that's why I think they're a little bit more of like a volatile team than the Rays because the Rays have like veteran talent and guys that have been up for a few years now, whereas the Pirates are kind of riding off of very good youth and, you know, a few veteran guys.
1: Yeah, uh, the the youth teams are always kind of fun to watch, I think, and um, yeah, it's it's cool to see the Pirates, you know, out of every team that, I guess, could have been a surprising team. It's cool to see them be the ones that are the surprising team this year, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely, but with the Pirates getting swept and um, the rest of the NL Central struggling, the NL Central has lost its last 17 games.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like they need to play against each other, get those stats up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, they are really struggling. So the the Cardinals have lost six straight, which is absolutely insane. They're ten and twenty two. The Reds um, have lost one. The Cubs have lost three. Milwaukee's lost three, and Pittsburgh has lost four in a row, which is seventeen losses.
1: Wow. Um. Another thing that I've kind of been keeping up with, I, I don't, you know, have any notes on this or don't really don't even have any stats, but um have you been watching um any of Trevor Bauer's uh games in Japan, like his vlogs?
0: Uh I haven't watched any in like the last week or, or two weeks, uh, but I did see the one I think when he made his debut.
1: Yeah. Okay, they they've actually been pretty interesting. And yes. I know his uh the closer on the Bay Stars is already bitching at Bauer for that sword celebration, saying that it's like disrespectful.
0: Yeah, like dude, just let him be.
1: Exactly. Like he's an American. Like just <laughs> just give him his, you know, just understand that and, uh, he's a bigot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's but, a reason um, he's
0: playing in Japan right now. And it's not because he's a good a person.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, it it was cool though that the Bay Stars they they actually gave him um gloves with like a sword on it, So I That's thought it was awesome. sick. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, I just thought that would be cool to mention. Is uh, it, it's been cool to keep up with how um how different like the Japanese baseball league is, and I feel like Bauer's vlogs are doing a great job of honestly bringing like Japanese baseball to more of like more light.
0: Yeah. It kind of like sure. how
1: Shohei's doing. So it, it's been really cool.
0: All right, Luke, any series this weekend that you want to kind of preview?
1: Well, of course. Um, hang on, let me get back to the schedule. Uh, let's see here. I'm on May 1st. Uh, the Yankees and Rays, for yep. sure. I want to see how good my team can pair up against the best team in the division. Uh, probably not too well, how things are going right now. But, um, hey, you never know.
0: Yeah. Uh my my biggest one this weekend is my team. Um Orioles, Braves in Atlanta. I really hope the Braves can just absolutely beat
1: up on them. Oh yeah. Um Twins Guardians should be good. Um the Braves and Orioles is gonna be I think that'll be an awesome game.
0: Yeah, we've got Max Fried awesome versus Dean Creamer on Friday.
1: Ow. Um Houston and Seattle. Always seems to be a good game, especially, like, in today's
0: baseball. Toronto versus Pittsburgh is actually a good matchup.
1: Yeah. It it is actually a good matchup. It's kind of funny to say that.
0: (laughs) Padres-Dodgers, always going to be a a fun series between those two teams, especially with, like, Tatis' return. We got Clayton Kershaw on the mound on Friday. Um, Yep. That's going to be a great series this weekend. A lot of good baseball this weekend. Brewers Giants, yeah. one not to look past either.
1: Dude, how crazy is it? I, I'm also kind of looking at the Rangers Angels uh, series. Yeah. Like, how crazy is it? The fact that, like, DeGrom just got hurt for the Rangers and, like, it may not even matter with how good they're playing.
0: Yeah, dude, this series this weekend is for the, is kind of battling out for the top of their division. Because the Astro or the Astros are sitting in third right now, because the Angels have won four straight and are now eighteen and fourteen, just um, one game behind Texas.
1: Oh, yeah, that's going to be a really good one then.
0: Yeah, and then uh, a battle between like the two worst records in the MLB well this weekend, the Athletics and Royals. Uh, what's crazy is how much better I'm willing to say the Royals are. <laughs>
1: I could probably count on my hand how many people are going to be there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's tickets as low as $10 according to uh, ESPN. But then again, at Bush stadium, there's tickets as low as $3. So there's no telling, but
1: what are you doing this weekend? Let's fucking go see a baseball game. $10. Yeah.
0: $3. All we got $3. We can go watch tigers Cardinals on Friday. And all we have to do is drive up to St. Louis. It's probably our shortest drive for the best deal. Let's be. I guess we could go to Tampa, nine bucks.
1: That's not that bad.
0: I don't want to watch a game at the Trop, though. No,
1: <sighs> I feel like old. it'd be cool to at least go one time.
0: I've seen What's it from the saying? outside. Nothing cool. Feeling? Really? Yeah, I've driven does past it, look, it a few times. It it's literally like, like, like on a its own. Warehouse? Kind of, but it's like on its <laughs> own island.
1: That's interesting. It
0: fucking blows, but. Regardless, we've got a ton of great baseball this weekend, and um, that's a good summer activity.
1: Yeah. Um. Oh, oh shit! You were gonna lead into it.
0: No, I mean, no, 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 no. no. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're okay, doing okay. that later, but, but, <laughs> um, I will say, baseball games, great summer activity.
1: Sure. And, and one last thing, I actually just realized that tomorrow's game uh, against the or with the Dodgers and Padres is actually going to be Kershaw versus Musgrove. Yeah. So that'll be awesome.
0: Yeah really good pitching matchups from a lot of the matchups we've been talking about uh, Christian Javier versus Luis Castillo and Astros Mariners um, in the sorry in Red Sox Phillies. We have Chris sale versus Zach Wheeler. I um, to mention that one. Who else? Let's see. Chris Bassett versus Rich Hill. That's not very yeah. good. Lance Lynn versus Hunter Green in White Sox Reds. That's a great matchup as well. So, yeah, a lot of great pitching matchups as well. So, uh, definitely a a great weekend for baseball. And I think everybody should be excited. But speaking of weeks, it's time for my MLB Team of the Week. On Wednesday, me and Colin did our teams of the month. But now we have the Team of the Week here. So, um, a a very different list, uh, (laughs) I have to say. So, I'll start out in the outfield. Luke Rayleigh of the Tampa Bay Rays in the outfield. Kid has just been stellar. A 1571 OPS over this past week. Easily one of the best hitters in the AL this week. And a barrel percentage of 44.4%. Crazy. Three home runs. Was that? Like, What's up?
1: I was just going to ask what the barrel percentage Is that just like contact on the ball?
0: So so barrels um I got to I'm going to pull up like the actual like definition so I don't mess this up. So yeah, uh a barrel is when a batted ball has an exit velocity of at least 98% and it's at a launch angle between 26 and 30 degrees.
1: That is such a specific stat.
0: Yeah, but that <laughs> wow. is like the optimal home run or like power hitting uh spot. Okay. So, Luke Rayleigh, like nobody else on this list, is over 14.3%. Luke Rayleigh at 44%. Crazy. He's got two doubles this week, three homers, four runs, seven RBIs. He, he is striking out quite a bit, 37.5% strikeout rate. He hasn't even walked this week, but doesn't matter. Batting average on balls in play, 500. So, not only is he hitting them over the fence, but... On his balls in play, he's reaching. So I like, he's the only guy in this team of the week with over an 867 or an 885 slugging. His slugging is an
1: 1133.
0: Wow. He has been absolutely ridiculous this week. But let's move to the next guy in the outfield, Mr. Juan Soto of the San Diego Padres, just doing his thing, getting on base. It's what he does best. Only a 360 average this week, but on base at 529 and an OPS of 1169. Fantastic stuff, of course, from Juan Soto, as always. The walk percentage right now, higher than his K percentage this past week. 26.5% walk percentage, 20.6% K percentage. He walked nine times last week while still picking up three runs, eight RBIs, one home run, and four doubles.
1: Only four strikeouts in his last seven days, too. Yeah,
0: he's absolutely killing it. And that's in 34 plate appearances.
1: So, with Juan Soto, and this is just kind of like, you know, me cu- keeping up with them for like the past like two years now, is yeah. he pretty much like what Joey Gallo should be? Because they, they seem like kind of similar players, at least offensively.
0: Uh, I think that Juan Soto, I-, I wouldn't say their offense is that similar. Juan Soto's not really a power hitter. He is a contact hitter that has the ability to hit home runs. And Juan, like Juan Soto, is a plate discipline guy. Joey Gallo just isn't. That's never been his game. So, okay. I, I wouldn't compare them as much. Um, I think. Trying to think of like, Joey Gallo should be John Carlos Stanton, and he's just not.
1: Yeah, gotcha.
0: I think that's a, a better representation of him. All right. But my next outfielder, Brian Reynolds, another guy who's just lighting it up, and so is his team. The Pittsburgh Pirates doing great. Obviously got swept, but still, he's keeping it up for his team. In 31 plate appearances this week, six doubles, four runs, five RBIs. He stole two bases, walked four times, only struck out at a 9.7% strikeout rate, 440 average. 680 slugging 1196 OPS fantastic week for Brian Reynolds.
1: Yeah, no home runs, but I mean, like only three strikeouts in seven days is not bad at all. And I mean, in, oh, yeah, especially in like 21 at bats, too, pretty good.
0: Yeah, man, they're absolutely lighting it up over there in Pittsburgh. But let's move to the infield at first base. I've got Christian Walker, and this one was a tough choice. Uh, I was kind of stuck between Christian Walker and CJ Crone of the Rockies, but landed on Diamondbacks first baseman Christian Walker because of four home runs and 10 RBIs in this past week. Goes along with his seven runs. He's batting 385 OPS at 1313, and he's not even really barreling up the ball. He's just making good contact. Only a 4.5% barrel rate, but when you can pair that with... The home runs that he has hit, it's kind of crazy. He's leading, he led this past week in home runs with only four.
1: Yeah. Hit two on Wednesday against the Rangers with five RBI, too.
0: Yeah. Absolutely killed it this week for Christian Walker. It's second base. I've got his teammate, Catal Marte. He's been killing it as well. Though the average isn't quite there at 267, he hit three bombs, scored four runs, had six RBIs, walked four times. And his on base percentage of 409. But the big thing here is that he might have an average of 267, but the slugging an 867. So he's absolutely killing it when it comes to extra base hits. And um had a fantastic week.
1: Yeah, is um was was this series his first um no, no. Okay, I, I was starting to think that maybe his, this was his first games this season, but it's not. I, I just read, like, the stats wrong.
0: Gotcha. And it's then, on a little
1: streak right now, though. Yeah. He's got two home runs in his last two.
0: He's killing it. And then at third base, I've got Nick Senzel of the Cincinnati Reds. Senzel had a fantastic week. Uh, a four twenty-three average, four eighty-three on base, OPS at 1290, um, K-percentage. The lowest of the list at six point nine percent and uh, a walk rate of ten point three. Had three home runs this week, seven RBIs, scored eight runs, walked three times, picked up a stolen base as well. Uh, another fantastic week for a Ra- or a Reds player, which is kind of surprising. I've had Reds players littered throughout these teams of the week.
1: I was about to say, and he he plays the White Sox, so he's definitely you know he's definitely in in. In the books for probably another pretty good series.
0: (laughs) Let's hope so. And then it's shortstop to round out my infield. Bo Bichette of the Tampa er, or Nope, not Tampa Bay. Toronto, Blue Jays. He just continues to play very well. Though he's being outshined by Matt Chapman, he definitely had the better week here. And he's striking out a little bit too much. 21.9% strikeout rate. But it seems like the shortstops this season have not been very good just around the league. I don't know what it is, but like Boba Shett, only guy on this list with the WRC plus under 200. That's weighted runs created plus, which is, I think I've explained this to you, but plus means it's averaged at 500. And then if you do good it's over, if you do bad, it's under, but still had a great week though. Three home runs, seven runs, uh, nine RBIs picked up a stolen base. um, a, a pretty solid week. Lots of singles for Bobuchet was seven.
1: Yeah, just just sucks that you know <clears throat> his team is getting kind of murdered by the Red Sox. At least in this series. I mean, they there've been some you know relatively close games, but they haven't won one yet. So hopefully they can get the win tonight. Slow them down a little bit.
0: Yeah, and then at catcher, I've got my only Brave list: Sean Murphy dude has been absolutely killing it and the biggest thing here was the 2 3 run home runs from him in the Mets series in the same game of the first game of the doubleheader absolutely crazy that accounted for both of his home runs this week and 6 of his 7 RBIs but scored 5 runs as well he walked 5 times he's continued this success into this week batting 333 on base at 500 OPS at 1119 I love what I've seen from Sean Murphy with the Braves so far.
1: Dude, this is all that freaking my roommate Logan talks about. He just, every time, every day, he's always like, Sean Murphy is killing this team. Sean Murphy is doing this. And I'm just, you know, Braves are just loaded. (laughs) There's too much depth. Y'all need to have like a draft to just pick apart your team.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, an expansion draft. And we just have to shell out all of our players. But let's talk DH, and then we'll get into the pitching who else but Shohei Ohtani, the record-breaker himself. Fantastic fucking week. Oh, my God, dude. I'm just going to go straight across the line here. 28 plate appearances. He had eight, eight singles, two doubles, one triple, two home runs, six RBIs, scored five runs, stole two bases, walked once, average at .481, on base at five hundred, slugging .852, OPS 1352. Like, holy shit. Has Shohei Otani just been lighting it up?
1: Damn. So, I got a, I got a like a hypothetical Shohei question for you, Grayson. He's twenty eight yeah, right now. Yep. In ten years, at thirty eight years old, what will Shohei Otani even look like? You think? Uh, you think he'll be batting? Only batting? Only pitching? I mean, I do you think have. He'll still be good.
0: I have a feeling he'll stop pitching at like thirty five.
1: That'll just be to you know. Just because he's doing too much at that age.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that with pitchers, like a pitcher like Shohei, who throws really hard and, you know, is a starter. So he's going to be there, you know, every five days, throwing very hard, going deep into games. It's hard to hold that up for a long time. And since he's already been playing professionally for so long prior to him entering the MLB, it, and like he's already had a Tommy John surgery since he came to America, like, it's gonna shorten his career pitching-wise a little bit, but you know, elite hitters are elite hitters, and you know, as so long as he's hitting bombs, he's got a place in a lineup.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: All right, let's talk pitching. There was a couple options I could have gone with uh, when it came to starting pitching this week, but I opted for Nathan Ivaldi of the Texas Rangers because in his one start this week picked up the win, and also picked up the complete game shutout. Nine innings pitched, three hits, no walks, eight strikeouts, and just absolutely killed it. Um, Just across the board, a a .333 whip, fantastic strikeouts per nine, of course, eight, but a fantastic week for Nathan Uvalde, a guy who has kind of gotten passed around uh, a little bit since the start of his career and He's always showed good stuff and then doesn't hold it up for long enough, but fantastic week for him.
1: Yeah, on my birthday, he, com- uh, he pitched a complete game against the Yankees, so that was a good birthday present from Ivaldi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, and then my reliever slash closing pitcher of the week. Kind of a surprise. I hadn't really heard much about this guy, but Carlos Estevez of the Los Angeles Angels. He pitched in three games this week. Four innings pitched, picked up three saves. He only gave up one hit, didn't walk a batter, didn't give up a run, eight strikeouts, only faced 13 batters.
1: My God. Dang. And he, he <laughs> this guy is 6'6, 277.
0: Yeah. Big old motherfucker. Yeah. So, yeah, that rounds out the team of the week. Any guys you think I might have missed?
1: Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't, no, I don't really think so.
0: All right. I'm happy to no. hear that. So, anything else for the MLB before we talk a little NFL?
1: Yeah, I'm ready to jump into the football, man.
0: All right. Well, Aaron Rodgers has made his arrival in New York very well known. Uh, that's an understatement. So, we'll start off. He brought in his boy, Randall Cobb. We all we all saw this coming, especially after Lazard had already you know, kind of gotten there before Rodgers. We knew Randall Cobb was coming too as a free agent. And uh, interesting stats here for Randall Cobb. Rodgers has thrown 534 completions to Randall Cobb, including the playoffs, second most of any player in Rodgers' career behind Devontae Adams at 687.
1: Wow. He is still like 150 behind Devontae Adams. That's yeah.
0: It's crazy, uh, and an even crazier thing with the addition of Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard in the off season, the Jets wide receivers, which they only have eight on their roster, have com- have a combined seven hundred and eight career receptions as Packers, and the Packers wide receivers, which there's ten of, have a combined eighty eight career receptions as Packers.
1: Wow, <laughs> that's funny.
0: Which uh, it's just you know part of the game, but. With Lazard and Randall Cobb jumping over, I think Rodgers has a pretty good thing going.
1: Definitely. Um, I mean, I I don't I still really don't know what to expect, though. Because, I mean, it is an older Aaron Rodgers, and he was showing some age last year. But, like, offensively, the, the Jets have just everything better than the Packers. So, I, I wonder if we'll see a better Aaron Rodgers than last year, this year with the Jets.
0: Dude, it looks like he's just happy. Like, like he looks like a completely different person than we saw last year. It's like, as soon as he landed in New York, he had a haircut, he shaved, like, he looks younger, he looks so happy, like, the smile will not come off his face. And I think a big part of that is just the guys that he's surrounded himself with.
1: Yeah, Or the darkness. True. The Jets or the darkness,
0: Grace? I'm going to attribute it to the Jets for now. <laughs> but you know, if things start going AWOL and he ends up, you know, taking two weeks off and they say he hurt himself and then somebody finds him in a dark corner, don't be surprised.
1: Yeah. Don't do not be surprised at all.
0: But Rogers was asked about Garrett Wilson, said he's a talented guy. I threw him a pass today and just kind of turned and was like, wow. And then Rogers compared Wilson's ability uh to get in and out of breaks to Devontae Adams.
1: That's um definitely high praise
0: <laughs> certainly especially for two guys that are very different styles and builds of wide receivers
1: I was going to say the same thing it, it was kind of like um it was it was actually kind of shocking to hear Rodgers compare uh Garrett Wilson to Devonte Adams out of all people because I I don't really think that they're similar but you know granted he did just say the ability to get in and out of breaks he didn't say you know like totally but like Still, that is a compliment and a half to receive from Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, but I guess it's not enough because Garrett Wilson said that he's talked to Rodgers uh, in the past couple of days about why he hasn't been able to get one of these tickets to the games that Rodgers has been attending. He's been at, like, every single New York sports game that's happened over the past week, going with Alan Lazard, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and a couple of other people as well.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, he's... um. I think it's a good sign of leadership by Rodgers because, you know, it, it's more so to get acquainted with the teammates. It, it's not that he just wants to hang out and needs people to hang out with. I, I, I'm sure there's, you know, a method to his madness here.
0: Oh, yeah. But I will say, you know, with this talk about the wide receivers on this team, obviously the four wide receivers that are kind of locked in are Garrett Wilson, uh, Alan Lazard, and then Nicole Hardman and Randall Cobb. But Corey Davis – is due $10.5 million, but it's non-guaranteed. So they're going to have an interesting decision here. Could they just ship him off somewhere, get something else out of it? Or do you think they'll hold on to him and give him that 10 mil?
1: I I, I don't know. It kind of sounds like it might be up to Aaron Rodgers. Um, if it was me um, and kind of with the wide receivers that you know you've brought in, you've sort of loaded the position now. I think um, out of anybody that I'd get rid of, it would probably be Corey Davis, unfortunately. Not to say that he's not talented, it's just, you know, you have absolutely loaded yourself at this position, and now you may have to pay Corey Davis, which I, I just don't really think is very, like, it's not a smart decision anymore.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. His production just wasn't there, and obviously they've had the issues at quarterback over the last couple of years, but it's a crowded wide receiver room, and we know for sure, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, and most likely Meikle Hardman are going to get their targets. Randall Cobb, of course, will be in the game there, like here and there. But if Corey Davis doesn't have a spot, there's no reason to hold on to him.
1: Exactly. And I mean, he he's the kind of talent that I still think he could be easily a wide receiver to on probably more than half um, of the other teams in the league. So I, I would definitely you know, elect to lose out on Corey Davis if I'm the Jets.
0: Yeah, and our last thing from just the impact of Rodgers is that the New York Jets have seen a 400% increase in season ticket and luxury suite sales since the Rodgers trade.
1: Yeah, he's got those celebrity contacts coming to his games now. Oh, of course.
0: (laughs) I I think that it's just kind of the perfect storm with Rodgers going to New York. It's a market that has a ton of fans already, and a lot of them just are dying for good football. And... They're finally seeing it come all together. And I, I have a feeling that, you know, the Jets fans and just the celebrities that want to see Aaron Rodgers are gonna be flocking to MetLife Stadium.
1: It'll be so interesting because Aaron Rodgers is definitely, you know, out of his prime and his career, but like, dude, he is going to be all over our fucking feeds next season. I, I just know he is. He he yeah. will be easily more famous in his entire career. And it honestly, dude, it doesn't even matter what he does. It, he will just have so much media attention. And I think it'll be, you know, good for his brand. It'll obviously good be good for the New York Jets, but it's just kind of interesting that now he's on the decline, but he's gonna be probably more famous than he ever has been in his entire life.
0: Oh yeah. Like the New York media is just gonna blow him up. Like whether he does good or bad, his name's gonna be in a headline every week
1: sure. And dude, oh my God, all the celebrity, I can already see the pictures now, you know, like fucking just something crazy. Like Joe Biden comes to watch Aaron Rodgers at the Jets game. Like I I can just see the fucking pictures of the celebrities in the suites now.
0: Oh yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to a little bit more news. I'm very excited for this ESPN films announced a 30 for 30 documentary called the minister of defense on NFL hall of famer, Reggie White.
1: Let's go, dude.
0: (laughs) I love Reggie White so much. And, like, I I don't even think I played or I watched at all. (laughs) But, like, I've gone back and watched the highlights, and I always hear people talk about how great he was, and I can't wait to watch this documentary.
1: And... ESPN films, NFL films, like, you know, all those kind of film companies that are, you know, with the sport that they're a part of. They always do such a good job for like, you know, sports nerds like you and I, Grayson. So I'll definitely be tuning into this one.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit of rookie numbers. So Falcons rookie running back Bijan Robinson will wear the number seven in the NFL. Same number, of course, as Michael Vick that uh, when he played for the Falcons. But that means that young way coup is going to have to find a new number.
1: Uh boo-hoo. <laughs> it's tough. Hey,
0: man, I love Young Waku. He's really clutched Gunway up for too. us plenty of
1: times. He has, but I, I definitely like – his production has definitely declined, though, from what it was a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, he's still, you know, Georgia legend. I think he's from Georgia Southern, is he not? Yes, he is. Yeah, so definitely good to keep him around, but he's on uh, – a uh, running back number seven. I like it.
0: I do too. Cool. I think that's yeah. awesome. Yes, it will. And then in, for your team, Joey Porter Jr. is going to wear number twenty-four in honor of Ike Taylor.
1: Yeah, in honor of <laughs> Uncle Ike is what I heard. Obviously, you know Joey Porter Jr. probably knew Ike Taylor. You know, from Peasy bringing around his kid to the team. Um, I, I like this a lot. Um, my biggest bummer is Darnell Washington not wearing zero, even though the NFL rule changed um, literally this offseason, allowed players to wear zero. And I think it was actually a Steelers thing. They didn't allow him to wear the number zero. Hmm. Yeah, which really pisses me off that, you know, we had a dress code like that. Or, you know, I guess guess it would be considered a dress code. Um, You
0: know who would also be a good number zero? George Pickens why he just he has that kind of energy you know like the number oh, zero yeah. is reserved for like a mean guy or like a, like just like an explosive kind of player and I see that as George Pickens
1: yeah yeah that, that is <clears throat> true um or or you know number one for Pickens but yeah. he, he didn't go with that one either but dude could you imagine Darnell Washington with the st- in, in the NFL right a six, 7 270 f- pound guy wearing the number zero in the NFL be just goofy but i, I wish it would have happened but instead we got 80 um i but overall i'm happy with the Steelers' rookie numbers
0: yeah i i never really have a problem with people's numbers unless they pick just stupid ones
1: yeah <clears throat> but
0: let's continue talking a little bit more rookie news here devin witherspoon uh was talking with uh seattle sports on meeting dk metcalf said he's a big man that's a big dude no cap He's a great person, though. He added the going against DK every day in practice. Sounds fun because it'll only make him get better.
1: Yeah, um, definitely will, considering the fact that DK is probably as fast as you, as probably, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds on you, 4 to 5 inches on you. Yeah, it'll definitely make you better. <laughs>
0: yeah, no kidding. But it'll also make Tariq Woolen better, who should be the one guarding him in practice. For sure. But this is some interesting news from Micah Parsons here. So the Cowboys linebacker, of course, will not be participating in the team's offseason program. Instead, he's working out in Austin, adding bulk and weight to become a full-time defensive end next season.
1: I have absolutely no problem with that.
0: Me neither. That's going to be fucking scary.
1: I mean, imagine being a coach and saying, like, nah, you got you got to be a part of our offseason program, And instead of bulking and adding weight to what you already have.
0: Yeah. Uh, like, think about the fact that Michael Parsons is just going to be bigger and still fast.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, you know, like you just mentioned, he's got to be able to keep the speed, because I know, you know, adding that bulk and weight can sometimes slow down your game, but... I don't know with him, he may not, you know, have that kind of an issue. That'll just be like a freaking demon out there at defensive end. If he if he can keep the same speed and add weight in bulk, God ah, man, that's a freak out there on the football field.
0: Yeah, and speaking of Giants on the Cowboys, Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle they drafted out of Michigan, Michael Parsons was asked about him and he said, You gotta give him attention. He's going to push guys back, he's powerful, he's strong, he's gonna get under people's pads. And he's great in the run, and we're gonna develop him in the past. So looks like Michael Parsons ready to be hands-on with my uh Mozzie Smith.
1: I, I just love when the NFL vets like, you know, completely just like, you know, cradle the rookies. I th- I think that's so sick. But Mozzie Smith, dude, I, I didn't really realize, you know, how good this guy was, um, and how athletic he was at his size. But um, I don't know if I sent you the video on Instagram, Grayson, but um there was a video of Mozzie Smith doing box jumps, and it was like a repetitive box jump. It, it was like he was jumping upstairs, basically. That man—I I don't know how you know tall and how much he weighs off the top of my head, but he can fucking move for his size, like scary fast.
0: Oh yeah, it's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, just you know the, the Cowboys. I, I think I, I kind of overlooked this pick. Um, you know, after watching highlights of him and watching you know his combine and. Like I just mentioned, the box jumps. They they may have gotten a really good guy here.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I think they made a fantastic pick with Mozzie Smith. Like Where they got him, he was the best decision they could have made. And um, I'm very happy with that pick that they made.
1: Yeah, no, he's going to be great for the Cowboys.
0: All right, we got some more evidence that Chargers just need to stop talking to the media, if possible. Because they just keep saying shit that doesn't sound very good. And... This one coming from their GM, Tom Telesco, he said that the Hertz and Jackson contracts are not a blueprint affecting negotiations for Herbert deal. So does this mean that maybe they're saying that Herbert's going to get something longer term, lower money or what? Because if I'm Justin Herbert, I'd like to think that those two contracts are a blueprint for my deal.
1: Yeah, I I guess it's kind of like the Chargers sort of wanting to put their foot down here because like I'm sure it's kind of annoying for at least the team side of negotiating contracts where a player, you know, a peer in your position gets signed for a shit ton of money. And, you know, obviously that's going to affect your own contract negotiations. And maybe this could be just as simple as the Chargers won't let, you know, other deals affect what they think Herbert is worth. Obviously, it does, and I mean, you know, there will be teams that want Herbert and will give him, you know, probably more money and more money than Hertz and Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, you're kind of right. The Chargers um, need a uh, caretaker for their entire media team. Like, I mean, this is just <laughs> horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, they like they just can't stop digging themselves into deeper holes. But this one that I'm about to talk about is rather interesting, and I'm sure you're going to love it. But the Patriots and Steelers trade in the first round was done to torment the Jets.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I did hear about that.
0: <laughs> it, it's pretty interesting because um looks like Bill Belichick's already trying to get into uh, the Jets and Aaron Rodgers head.
1: Yeah. Uh, very funny. And it kind of makes you think like, were the Steelers, you know, content with not taking Broderick Jones because this must mean that Broderick Jones was a hundred percent going to be a Jet.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I saw it. You know, like looking back at the draft. You know, after our episode, I kind of realized that that's what they were doing. Was the Steelers wanted an offensive lineman, and they you know kind of realized like, oh shit, like Johnson, Skaronski, Wright are all off the board. We have to get Broderick Jones if we're going offensive line here. And just seems like the Patriots just wanted to fuck over the Jets.
1: Which is, I mean, absolutely hilarious. I, I'm all for it, man. I mean, the rivalries and, you know, the divisions, to me, that's what makes, you know, the NFL the NFL, is those kind of rivalries that you get there. And especially when they extend, like, into, like, the business side, I just think it's so funny. It's so petty. And I just I, – I love this. I, I thought this was so hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's great. And then um – um, This is a great story here. So CJ Stroud and Tank Dell uh, out of Houston uh, reportedly created a tight bond while they were at the combine together. And after Stroud was selected by the Texans, he had one demand to their front office. He told them to get Tank Dell. And then two rounds later, the Texans followed his request and picked him.
1: I have no problem with it. Like. You know, players may not necessarily be scouts, but, like, they know what a good fucking football player looks like. So, absolutely no problem with this.
0: Yeah, I I think it's fantastic. And it's also, uh, I think it's a great move for the Texans picking up a wide receiver. And Tank Dell is very good. Just didn't, you know, quite get the attention that people thought he would in this draft. But, yeah, I'm very happy with this. And it, it just, from day one, literally, the first couple of hours, or the first day that you have CJ Stroud on the team, you're already showing that you trust him.
1: I was literally just about to say that um, it, it speaks volumes to how, you know, in the Texans are for Stroud. And I mean, they're already kind of letting him be that um, quarterback scout role that, you know, kind of like with what uh, Aaron Rodgers was uh, this off season. So I, I think it's cool that the Texans are already kind of trusting him this much. And I mean, That's exactly how you, you know, have the ability to keep these guys around for a long time. And, you know, I'm sure what the Texans hope is his entire career. So I I just love stuff like this.
0: Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Let's talk about another draft day move here. So DeAndre Swift, who was obviously traded to the Eagles during the draft, said that he was unable to sleep the last few nights thinking about what a great chance he has with the Eagles. He was quoted saying, I'm excited to get to work and be a piece of the puzzle and what makes this move even more interesting is the news that came out the other day that the Lions had called the Rams during the draft trying to trade DeAndre Swift and the Rams declined and then Detroit ended up trading him to the Eagles.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah, this is um, that was a very interesting move when, uh, when I heard that DeAndre Swift got drafted to the Eagles, or not drafted, but traded the Eagles. That was just kind of like, it was crazy, but I'm I'm excited for Swift. I, I think he'll be a great addition to that offense. Um yeah. I, I just think it'll it'll be a good move for Swift in the long run.
0: Yeah. And to kind of close out this NFL news, uh with the top you know, with the Texans taking two of the top three picks in this draft, they have a huge total for their rookie um the rookie allocations for signings from this class at $105,910,734 total.
1: Um, I just can't wait, Grayson, for you and I to cover um, this down the road and have to you know, pick up the pieces because uh, you and I both kind of talked about that it seems like um, when the NFL uh, teams draft guys, is they kind of um, don't really manage you know, their contract very well. And uh, I can definitely see this being a topic of discussion, you know, for the Texans down the road.
0: Yeah. I think what they've done well, though, is that with the signings that they made this offseason to kind of get this team ready for what they were drafting, they didn't put huge money into anybody except Laramie Tunsil, who signed an extension. So it's not like they have a ton of money tied up in these guys so that, you know, when that fourth year comes around for Will Anderson and CJ Stroud and Probably a few other guys they might not have you know too much of a money problem sitting ahead of them
1: that's a good point. And it kind of you know makes you think back to them uh trading away Brandon Cooks or or he got signed. I can't really remember exactly yeah, they, what the they Texans traded him. Did. traded him so it definitely kind of makes sense there is they were probably planning on drafting a lot of you know contract if you will if that makes sense so it definitely makes sense for them to have gotten rid of Brandon Cooks too because I think he was asking for a lot so.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes sense. So you ready to get into some soccer news? It's not a segment that we typically have, but a few big things happened.
1: Yeah, I'm excited, dude.
0: All right, well, we got to start with the biggest thing going on in soccer, I'd say. Messi, uh, you know, it's been announced that he will be leaving PSG at the end of the season uh, following, I believe it was a 20-game suspension. Um, Is that right?
1: Um, it, something like that. I can look it up real fast.
0: Yeah, I, I believe it's a 20-game suspension that was given to him by PSG uh, because of an un uh, like unapproved trip to Saudi Arabia. So, uh, is this Messi... Is Messi going to sign with the Saudi Arabian team?
1: Okay, so I have... For some reason, I had Messi suspendido. For some reason, my laptop went into Spanish mode. So he is suspended for dos semanas, two weeks.
0: Oh, okay. okay. Fort- <laughs> I don't know
1: why he gave it to me in Spanish. But, That's um, funny. I think, I think it is a hundred percenter he'll end up in Barcelona. But oh, we have to mention how much money the Saudis are offering him because me and my roommate actually kind of calculated it. $400 million dollar, dollars a year to play a sport. That, that is incredible money to offer wait, somebody.
0: Wait, you said a year? Yes. What the fuck?
1: $1.2 million a day. Lionel Messi. Moved to Saudi Arabia. Now... <gasps>
0: oh my god.
1: Dude, I, I would sell out for that kind of money. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. But, I think he'll end up back in Barcelona, which is of course you know, what I think, what, what I hope happens of course. Um... What I mean, what do you think?
0: I don't know. I, I, You know, even though he's getting up there and his career is kind of nearing its end, I'd still love to see him show up in the Prem.
1: Yeah, I would too. I, I mean, what if he ended up in Manchester City?
0: He could. He'd go back to right wing.
1: I think a, a team like Manchester City would make a lot of sense for Lionel Messi because... With the way that they play, and you know, you and I have talked about it before. Manchester City don't really have wingers, they just have like six central midfielders, but like two of them are like fast and are kind of you know a little bit used to playing on the side. I I just honestly feel like Messi would really fit in well to play kind of a wing at Manchester City.
0: Yeah, like even at, at this point in his career, I'd say he's an upgrade over like Riyad Mahrez starting a right wing.
1: Oh, 100%. Um, of course, he would have to do deal with, the, you know, the physicality of the Premier League, but, you know, Messi's game has always been, like, I'm going to dribble at you, but you're still not going to be able to, like, put a hand on me. Yeah, kind of I, I think
0: so. Oh, go ahead.
1: I, I, I'm i just saying that, like, you know, the, they always say, you know, can Messi do it in a rainy night in Stoke? <laughs> well, yeah, he probably could because none of the defenders would be able to touch him anyway.
0: Yeah, and, and I, think, I think I think... Talking about, got, like, like with Messi, you keep, like, a, a lot of people, not just you, keep bringing up the physicality of the Prem. I feel like if we're going to talk about physicality, the second best is La Liga.
1: I would say that's debatable, but another physical league. Yeah.
0: I, I think when it comes to the defenders, because, like, a lot of, like, the, the huge physical defenders that we've seen even play in the Prem – have also played in La Liga. Like, it happens all the time. And, and like, a, a lot of, like, definitely dirty players. A lot of dirty players play in La Liga.
1: That is a good point. Um, I know, historically, uh, the Bundesliga have always been big. Like, I remember a couple years ago, um, like, uh, I know it's only one team, but Bayern Munich's, like, player transformations were kind of crazy. Like, I, I know, specifically, Leon Goretzka, like, his before and after Bayern pictures are, like, stupid. He's actually yeah. shredded now. Um I know historically the Italians have always been kind of like physical defenders, you know, more, more like aggressive, I would say, in Italy, like, you know, flying in for slide tackles, like jumping at players, like a lot of aerial play, too. So, I, I mean, maybe you could argue that La Liga um, also has the physicality of the Premier League, but like, I don't know. There are definitely, I would argue that the Bundesliga and the Serie A are like better physical defending leagues than La Liga, but, you know, La Liga is also pretty good, too.
0: Yeah, I think Serial definitely is up there. But, like, when I think about like the like prime Messi, like what he was going up against, like in El Clasico, like the two center backs that you're facing, Sergio Ramos and Pepe, like that's fucking scary.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, two players that wanted to kill Messi.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think it was their life goal. And now he's teammates with one of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, not um, for long, but. <laughs> I, but, you know, back to kind of what we were talking about, though, or the main thing is I, I'm just so glad he's leaving PSG. Um, yeah. You know, they were, they were booing him. At just kind of, of course, I, I don't really know the whole situation because, like, you know, your ultra groups and, you know, Europe are very organized and they definitely have their reasons for not liking players and doing the things that they do. But, um, Personally, you know, from an outsider looking in, I don't see any world that Lionel Messi or Neymar should be being booed. I I saw videos of them outside of uh, his house, Neymar's house, the PSG Ultras. It's just like, man, like, y'all don't realize, like, those are players that your team has heavily invested money in. And, you know, you're just kind of running them out of town, basically. So not too sure what's going on over there in Paris, but I'm glad that Messi's gone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm really distracted. Ronald Acuna just fouled off a ball into his knee, and he is lying oh. on the ground. I'm just going to sure. ignore that. Um, <laughs> all right, let's I'm talk wrong. about it now. Erling Holland is the new single-season Premier League record goal scorer with 35, correct? That's the number, 35? Yes. Okay. As of
1: now. He could score yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: only played 31 games.
1: Or, that's just
0: that. through 31 games. I don't even know if he's played in all of them. It's just Um, ridiculous.
1: And to keep, dude, it's his first season here. Like, there was no development or like ease in time for Erling Holland. Like, if he would have scored 22 or 21 this season, I would have been like, wow. Like, you know, he's moving up in leagues as far as difficulty. I would, you know, argue Bundesliga to Premier League, and he's still able to score 21 goals. Like, this is incredible.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. 35.
1: And with the potential and the probability of scoring, like I would probably say, forty-one. At he least. could. Yeah, he definitely could. What they've it's got unbelievable.
0: They've he's or, so he's played thirty-one. I think Manchester City's played thirty-four games. So what they have four games left.
1: Yes. No, Manchester City have only played thirty-three, dude.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: Ridiculous. It's
0: fucking crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I mean. I knew he was good at Dortmund, but like, I, I just it, it that I am just stuck on the fact that it is his first season in the print. That's why yeah. I can't get over.
0: It's absolutely insane, and it, it, what's crazy is like he's scored thirty-five goals, and Manchester City in total has scored eighty-seven.
1: Yeah, I mean, he really, literally, is the guy there.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely insane what he's been able to do, and like I've been seeing so many like old takes exposed of like everybody when Erling Haaland transferred. They're like, yeah, he's gonna have to get used to it, and like blah blah blah, like all this stuff. And then now he's broken the record; didn't even need the whole season.
1: Yeah, I was a hundred percent one of those people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I- I'm trying to find it on Wikipedia, but obviously I can't because you know we're recording. Um. He broke a record that was like like 20-something years old. I think it was like Alan Shearer in the early 2000s, and then someone also tied Alan Shearer, or Alan Shearer tied somebody. I can't remember what it was, though, but I think two people were tied at first before Erling Holland.
0: Yeah, I know that one one of them was Alan Shearer uh, and Andy Cole. Yeah, it was was Alan Shearer and Andy Cole, um, which I believe they played in a a much long, like a a four, like 42-game season.
1: Okay, here, I have it here. Um, Not how many games they played, but so Andy Cole and the 1993 to 1994 season scored 34 goals with Newcastle. Alan Shearer, that literally the year after, tied that record in the 94-95 season and it has taken until 2022 for this record to be broken. And it's not just being broken, it's being absolutely murder.
0: Yeah, it's it's so crazy. And like the fact that it's his first year makes it that much crazier.
1: Yeah. Um, it just makes you want. and I mean like I'm sure the striker at Manchester City and you know, kind of the way they play and what we've talked about earlier with, you know, their passing ability and their through ball ability, like he is in the best situation to do this. I'm not taking anything away from his ability, but like he really did go to the best team for this to happen to him on the most oh, likely, yeah, I guess. But
0: yeah. Um, and like, it's
1: still amazing.
0: He's only 22 years old.
1: Oh my God. See, that's another stat that I didn't even like really think of. That's even more mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Like he
0: doesn't turn 23 uh, until July, like late July. It, it, it's so crazy to see you know, you know we're witnessing possibly one of the best ever.
1: Yeah, uh one of the best goal scores ever for sure.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Let's talk one more thing before we get into the uh, Champions League semi-finals, but Real Madrid are in advanced talks to sign Jude Bellingham.
1: Yeah, this is um you know in in soccer it just doesn't make sense um or and I guess in football it just doesn't make sense to do this. Um like you would think that Real Madrid, and we've talked about it before, Camavinga, who I guess is now a left back. Um uh Schwamini, the French guy. Yeah. Uh Cruz, Modric. It, it kind of makes me wonder if this move is kind of maybe to get rid of either Cruz or Modric. Maybe maybe, you know, they're kind of getting too old for Real Madrid at this point. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat with that one. I don't I can't really decide who it would be because both of them have played pretty well this year and have you know, played very well over the last couple of years, even though they're getting up there in age. I think Modric is the older one. Maybe he just looks older, but, um, like, yeah, Modric's 37 years old, and uh, Tony Cruz is 33. So, yeah, Modric's got four years on him. I got a feeling it's probably going to be Modric that gets at least thrown to the bench, if not shipped off.
1: I, I'm not going to lie. I think it could be Cruz.
0: Uh, like, I guess you probably would get more value out of Tony Cruz if you did make him leave.
1: Well, not even that. I just think that Modric, at his age, is still playing better. He, he's the best midfielder on that team, I, I would argue. Yeah. Um, and, and Jude Bellingham, even, it's just kind of like... um. I don't know if he'll be on the bench or not, is kind of another question that I'm thinking. Because what if they don't get rid of Cruz or Modric? Because they're, I mean, both of them are still playing well. Um, so I don't know. It just if Jude Bellingham joins, that is a loaded and young midfield too, especially the guys on the bench.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic, fantastic problem to have
1: but i know a lot of the prim teams are going to be upset that they couldn't get their hands on bellingham but it just kind of seems like none of the premier the premier league teams have tried really hard enough for him i know um liverpool i think was, was kind of the team the main team wanting bellingham i know chelsea were in there and city were in there too but looks like real madrid's probably going to get this one
0: yeah yeah i have a feeling they will um So I got distracted because I looked up Tony Cruz's age and then I see like his little like about thing. And one of the things that his Wikipedia page says is he is widely regarded as one of the greatest midfielders of all time. Mm. I don't know about like, I I think he's certainly had like a storied career. I, I would not put him up there as one of the greatest of all
1: time. See, that's the thing with soccer, too, is, like, there's so many legends, like, upon legends. Yeah. Well, I think and it's I just because there's so many leagues. Height. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many leagues, and there's honestly, like, in, in any other sport, there's just a lot more abundance of, like, superstar talent, too. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I might put him up there. He's won a World Cup. He's won a Champions League.
0: Yeah. No, he's – like I said, he's had a storied career, like, a decorated career. I'm just – I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that they say widely regarded because I, yeah. like, I feel like it's pretty arguable.
1: Yeah, okay. All right, we and before
0: before we move on, uh, I forgot to put this on the prep sheet, but I want to bring this up. Barcelona had a 15-year-old debut uh, last week. <laughs> he was born in yep. 2007.
1: Unbelievable. It, that and is so that?
0: crazy. I, I can't quite remember his name. I'm looking it up right now. Um, But, like, uh, it's uh, Lamin Yamal. Uh, he's the youngest ever La Liga player. Uh, actually got subbed on for Gavi, uh, another very young player. But, like, it's just, ins- like, he looks like a child.
1: <laughs> he really does. That, that must be a lot of freaking pressure.
0: Think about it. If he was yeah. in America right now, he'd be a sophomore in high school, or a freshman or sophomore in high school.
1: Yeah, and... But he's not in America. He's actually, you know, debuting for Barcelona. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) insane. Yeah. I I feel um, like Barcelona
0: does this, though. Like, they've always got young guys. Like, of course, like, Messi came up very young. And in recent years, Ansu Fati came up young. Like, they seem to do a very good job of, like, bringing up very young guys.
1: Yeah, Barcelona's academy, um, La Maesa. I think is what it's called, is just seriously no joke. Um, And it always has been, you know, no joke. They've had, you know, guys like Victor Valdez who came out of there, Iniesta, Xavi, PK. I mean, the list goes on. Puyol, I think, was another one. Uh, Messi, of course. You know, they're loaded there. They always have been.
0: Yeah, it's uh, La Masia.
1: La Masia, thank you.
0: But, um, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. But let's talk Champions League because it seems like this is – quickly come upon us. The Champions League semifinals leg one is next week. On May 9th, we've got Real Madrid versus Man City. May 10th, Milan versus Inter Milan. Let's start with Real Madrid versus Man City. This this is like, it's two immovable objects running into each other.
1: Yeah, I almost don't even like really want a team to get knocked out. Well, I do. I do want Manchester City to, you know, definitely get knocked <laughs> out here. But like, Dude, these teams, literally, your second legs here are one of the best derbies and rivalries in the entire sport, and then probably the two best teams in the world right now.
0: Yeah, and what's crazy is that when these two teams match up, they have not drawn um, in their last six
1: so we can pretty much conclude that both legs for both of these games will be, like, played to a result pretty much. Yeah,
0: and I do have to put this out there. Manchester City haven't lost in 19 matches.
1: Yeah. Um, the treble just looks more real every day Yeah, <laughs> for them. Um, I mean, just – and that's kind of the notes that I have here on this game. Like, their form is unmatched, like you just said, 19 games unbeaten. Holland just broke the record and has more games to go. They're first in the Prem with a game in hand, which is just stupid. I mean, you know, you're still in the FA Cup. You're in the semifinal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable end of the season. Unbelievable entire season for Manchester City, really.
0: Yeah, but, like, with Real Madrid, they're coming off of a a loss to Real Sociedad uh, two days ago. Like, this is a a very surprising thing, but... It seems like when they're playing in La Liga, they're not even putting out their best lineup.
1: Yeah, I, I think at, at this point in the season it, it's all for the all for the Champions League for the Madrid, um, for Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, like in this matchup against Real Sociedad, you had um Valverde was on the bench, uh Modric was hurt, Karim Benzema was out as well, uh David Alabas out, Ferland Mendy's obviously still out. Vinicius Jr. was out, and you still sat some like pretty solid players. And like, like their starting striker was Mariano Diaz, and they had Danny Ceballos starting in center er, in a right center mid. So, an interesting one. And Danny Carvajal picked up a red.
1: Oh, no. Well, I you know that that game, Real Madrid are going to be ready for. For Manchester City, kind of like how Manchester City are going to be ready for Real Madrid most likely. So, I mean, are, are we doing predictions?
0: Yeah, yeah, Ra- just okay, cool. just for leg one. So how do we think the first match is going to go? Um, it is at the Bernabeu.
1: Thank you for saying that because I was about to go look it up. Um, at the Bernabeu, semifinal at the Bernabeu. Um, it's going to be tough, but, you know, Manchester City have looked good um, away. I can't, I can't bet against them. I, I think it'll be two-one Man City first leg. All
0: right, I'm thinking two-two draw between the two. Look, okay. like it's hard to stop either of these teams from scoring, and as long as Karim Benzema is back and healthy in this one, as well as Vinicius Junior, uh, I, I have a feeling it'll be hard to stop Real Madrid as well.
1: Exactly. And I remember I've said this before and you kind of agreed with me is what it seems like um, you can't let Manchester City do is score first. If they score first and you kind of have to start, you know, picking up the pace, especially in a second leg. If if Real Madrid find themselves down with like 70 minutes left in the second leg and they have to start attacking, that's when it's going to get dangerous. That's when it's going to get probably pretty bloody. Um, especially if Manchester City are able to you know, make offensive subs where they have fresh guys going up against Real Madrid defenders that have been playing the entire game. It can get brutal very fast. So the key for Real Madrid is not letting Manchester City score first, but it seems like really no one has been able to stop that from happening. So I'm going to go 2-1. Yeah, 2-1 Manchester City first leg.
0: Let's get into Milan versus Inter. This one is... um an interesting matchup. I, I think there's a lot to look for with this matchup, but is it going to be what we want it to be?
1: Um, I I hope it is. I, I don't even like to think about the fact that, you know, it may just be a complete dud, Um, you know, two legs for these two teams. But like, I mean, it is, it's definitely got the hype to be exactly what we want it to be.
0: Yeah. And it does look like uh, Inter is going to be missing Robin Gosens uh for this match he's out till mid May so um a little bit of a loss there for Inter but Inter is on very good form uh they've won their last 4 whereas Milan uh two straight draws got a win uh, and then two draws before that like I-, I think that Inter is surprisingly on better form and they're playing arguably some better teams in the stretch
1: yeah, um, I haven't really looked at what's going on in the Syria A to be able to really like, you know, disagree or agree with that. But, I mean, I, I just can't believe this is the first time we're seeing this since that, you know, infamous 2005 game where, you know, Dita got hit by a flare and the game ended up getting suspended. And you have that iconic picture of uh, Maserati, the guy who got headbutted by the Zidane. And uh, Rui Costa and, and their two, like you know, AC Milan inner jerseys, like looking at the at the flares and like the chaos. Oh, man, I hope that's exactly what happens. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think there's nothing more that I want out of this matchup than chaos. Obviously yeah, controlled. I, I don't want any, yeah. you know, crazy stuff, but chaos on the pitch at least. And I want to see the For fans sure. going crazy, but staying safe.
1: Yes, um, I, I think you know, kind of a, a bold thing that we can talk about and kind of predict here. Are are we thinking a red card in the first leg?
0: Oh, we definitely could see one.
1: I'm definitely I'm I'm predicting a ton of yellow cards in both legs.
0: Yeah, I, I hear. I, I'll I'll have a I've got a prediction here in the first leg. Um, one of, if not both of the managers will at least get booked with yellow cards
1: i was thinking the same thing except i was thinking maybe like late in the second leg if like one team knows they're gonna lose they're just kind of gonna you know
0: play like assholes <laughs> yeah which happens
1: all the time in yeah. soccer it's a, it's a pretty petty sport if you think about it um but, uh dang what i just can't believe this is this is a semi-final of the champions league i mean Milan and Inter, you know, they might not be the best teams. Of course, I I would argue that, you know, they don't really even compare to Real Madrid or Manchester City. But, like, Milan and Inter, and especially Italian teams in general, because we saw it with Napoli a lot in the Champions League, is they just play with so much heart. Like, it's fast, it's counterattack, it's physical, um, and and it's it's everything that we want and what we need to happen. So I'm predicting a lot of counterattacks, a lot of, like, rough challenges, some clean, some not. Um yellow cards, maybe some red cards. I I am I'm predicting all of it for the Derby uh Della Madonna Dina.
0: Yeah, I think that the best thing about this is that it's two legs at the same stadium. There is no home field advantage. Like it's it's just all out war.
1: Yeah. And, and it's the um, you know, the San Zero is a, a temple of the sport, really, kind of like, you know, your old Traffords and Wembley's and places like that. And the year before it's getting torn down too like this th- these this will be some of the last games that are played there and it is so fitting
0: yeah it, it really is and just to talk about the two teams themselves i just talked about their form milan hasn't lost in their last 8 uh inter hasn't lost in their last 5 um but inter have won the previous two matchups against ac milan so you know how do you feel going into this who do you like in leg one?
1: Man, I think uh, it's it's so hard to separate these two teams, man. I I really don't know, um, because it's it's the same stadium too, so you don't really have you know like your home field advantage to base it off of. I, I think I think leg one is a tie, and leg two is when all hell breaks loose.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what my thought was, but also I think that for me Milan is more of like the young side in this one and I think that that bodes well for them in the first match, but I think that Inter with, you know, kind of the veteran talent and the the very, sorry, um, very experienced players is going to give them the edge. So as long as Milan doesn't run away with it in the first one, I think Inter has a great, a, a great chance to advance.
1: Yeah, so I I think for a first-leg prediction, I'm going to go 1-1 the first leg. And then, I know we're not doing second-leg predictions, but I I will say this, I think that there will be a lot of goals for both teams in the second leg.
0: Yeah, I I think I'm going to go 2-1 Milan in the first one.
1: Okay, I'm going 1-1. 1-1 draw.
0: All right. Well, we'll just have to see what happens next week and report back to y'all. But let's talk Prem. Prem. We've got a a, a decent weekend in the Prem. Nothing crazy, but the biggest thing here, of course, is the race for first place. Manchester City, one game back um, in games played on Arsenal, but one point ahead of them at 79. They just won't lose, and Arsenal is struggling. Uh, Luckily, coming off the big win against Chelsea, but uh, a very bad last four. Yeah, I you
1: know... It's kind of interesting because when I was doing the, the prep sheet, I, I kind of was thinking to myself, you know, what team will we see out of Manchester City? Because they do play on Tuesday against Real Madrid. Um, so I wonder if some guys will get benched. I wonder if maybe it doesn't even matter if some guys get benched or not, you know, against a team like Leeds. But I definitely think we'll see some players that we don't get to see often out of Manchester City. And who knows? It could bode well for a good matchup for Leeds.
0: Yeah. And Look, for Man City, uh, I think that y- you can't really sit people here because every every game here on out is, is must-win. For the rest of this season, every single game that Manchester City plays, they have to win. And it's a good thing that they're running into a Leeds team that obviously doesn't know how to win. Uh, they haven't in their last five at least. Uh, four losses in that span is brutal. And the biggest thing here, though, is that Leeds are backed up in the corner right now. And uh, if they lose here, it propels them into relegation, especially with Nottingham Forest, who's tied on points with them. Um, Nottingham Forest faces Southampton, who's one of two teams that's worse than them. And Leicester, who is tied on points with Leeds, but ahead of them in goal differential, faces um, Fulham, who isn't on the best of forms right now with three straight losses.
1: Yeah. Um, Must win for both teams, really. And, And I like how you brought that up because, you know, the other side to what I just mentioned is that the Premier League is still so close to where Manchester City are not in a position to really be able to bench guys without having some worry or some concern. Because, you know, it is Leeds, but it's also still the Premier League. You know, Leeds are, you know, if... They will probably capitalize on any weakness that Manchester City has, uh, especially if it's like a big one or an obvious one. And, you know, it, it'll be kind of interesting, you know, again, to see if Manchester City does decide to rest guys or not.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely will be. So what's your score prediction here?
1: Um, I think Manchester City will at least bench Holland. Interesting. Because he just broke the record. I mean, he can only break it even more. He can't, you know, like re-break it. Well, I guess technically he would be re-breaking it every time he scores, but yes. like
0: he'd be setting a new. I feel
1: point. like against Leeds, you bench this guy. So I'm gonna go two nil, City.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one. I'll let Leeds get on the board.
1: Close game there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think it'll be close though.
1: If you yeah, watch, probably it. not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, let's talk Liverpool versus Brentford. This one's a big one, at least in Europa League uh, standings here. So Liverpool on fantastic form. Uh, They've won five straight, uh, including wins over kind of top half teams in the last two with Fulham and Tottenham. So Liverpool sitting at 59 points right now, Brentford at 50. But the bigger thing here is that if Liverpool doesn't get any points here, Brighton has a fantastic chance to really push towards them. Brighton's facing Everton this weekend, and they're only four points back on Liverpool. So, Liverpool needs to at least get out of this match against Brentford with a draw.
1: Yeah, which, which, you know, isn't necessarily out of the realm. You know, I don't think this is going to be kind of an easy one for Liverpool. Um, They've looked good. They've won their last two, um, both which were clean sheets. But, of course, their last five, got two wins, two losses, and one draw. So not the best. It's not, you know, that doesn't really even compare to how good Liverpool has been, which, you know, I I like this Liverpool team a lot here at the end of the season because it really says a lot about the teams that can heat up this late in the season, kind of like with what Manchester City are doing as well. Um So, you know, just for that reason alone, you know, off of having to grind and really grit your teeth to become a hot team this late in the season, you know, everybody's tired, everybody's thinking about vacation, Liverpool players clearly aren't, and I kind of like that mentality going into Brentford, so I I think I like Liverpool in this one.
0: Yeah, I think I like Liverpool as well, but... Now that I'm looking at it a little deeper, Brighton's still two games to be played uh against or um you know from Liverpool. So Brighton definitely has a chance to jump Liverpool. So Liverpool realistically needs three points here. Um, but I think the hot streak's gonna come to an end. I think it's gonna be a one one draw.
1: One one draw, okay. Um again, I think I'm gonna go with a two one, but for Liverpool.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I kind of want to see Brent, or uh, I want to see Brighton in the top five.
1: It would be awesome to see Brightford, or Brightford, um, Brighton in the top five spot. Dude, Brighton in the Champions League? Come on, now. That'd I don't awesome. know about
0: that. That's a reach.
1: <laughs> <It'd> be awesome. <laughs>
0: They'd have to cover some huge, some some pretty good ground on Man U. Yeah, they would. Though they did pick up the win today against Manchester United, so it's a good way to start. You
1: know, good, it. it's always good beating Manchester United, especially this season.
0: Yeah. All right, I'd say this is the biggest matchup of the weekend. Newcastle versus Arsenal. Uh, This is, like, big. Because, look, I I know that Newcastle is getting pretty close to locking up their position in the Champions League. But you'd still like to finish ahead of Manchester United. And with Manchester United facing uh, West Ham on Sunday... Got a pretty good chance of getting some points there. So, Newcastle probably wants to win this one pretty bad, and Arsenal certainly wants to win this one bad.
1: Dude, Newcastle, Grayson have got this game in the bag. I don't even think it's a question. Yeah? Yes. The, I mean, you've kind of sold me on them. Their defense it is truly immaculate, and this Arsenal team, especially as of late, is not immaculate. I I mean, of course, like, still up there. And, I mean, they're still playing well. But the wins, you know, aren't coming as often as they need to be, which has allowed, you know, Manchester City to be a point ahead of them with a game in hand. I think Manchester City's already won the league, and Newcastle will beat Arsenal.
0: You don't think that Arsenal kind of whipping up on Chelsea a little bit two days ago is going to help them out to beat Newcastle?
1: Chelsea. Chelsea <laughs> I mean I, I hate to say that about my own guys but I'm, like, I'm just anybody I was just
0: baiting win. you there <laughs> you know while we're talking about Chelsea how bad do you think they're gonna finish because like yeah they they won their last two but it's they're not in a good spot right now
1: we're, Or sorry we're no they haven't
0: do. they haven't won their last so I was looking at Bournemouth uh who has
1: yeah um No, Chelsea are are just trash um, and have been trash for pretty much really the turn of the year, honestly. Even before that, kind of trash as well. Um, I don't think Chelsea are going to get relegated. I I know a lot of fans have been kind of joking about that. But, I mean, it is funny that it is a possibility for Chelsea to get relegated. Don't think it's going to happen. I think we drop – I think we finish probably like 13th or 14th.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I think that's a, a realistic spot. Um, so is Frank Lampard done? Like, no more chances? Yeah,
1: um, I I don't really know, I don't know what to say about Frank Lampard as a manager, honestly, because he's had success with, you know, teams like Derby. It's just, you know, when it comes to Chelsea or I guess really any big club, he's just, you know, really not ready for it yet. So, I mean, I think it's cool that out of anybody that could have taken the team over, it is a team legend who can, you know, kind of instill, a, um, a better mentality among the squad, especially, you know, Chelsea brought in so much new talent at an awkward time, you know, being the January transfer window. I think it was good to bring in a club legend to kind of at, at least, you know, may not get the results, but at least teach the players, you know, what it means to be a part of the team and the history and all that. So I still like that it was Frank Lampard that took it over, but man, I cannot wait for our new manager next season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anybody that's been rumored
1: uh, Luis Enrique before it looks like Pochettino is going to be the guy. Yeah. Um, which I mean, even infuriates me more, you're bringing in an old Tottenham manager who barely really even did anything for our rival team. I mean, he did take them to the champions league final, but they lost to Liverpool. Um, I would have liked to have seen somebody, somebody completely different than an old manager from, uh, from a rival club. But I mean, Pochettino, had some sort of success, but I don't think he's had Chelsea-level success.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that.
1: So that's my two cents on that. But I don't know what Chelsea are going to look like next season, really.
0: All right. Well, Luke, it's time to debut this new segment here. Let's do it. All right. It is called Top 3, Bottom 3. So what we're going to do, we'll have any given topic. doesn't always have to be sports, and this week it's not. Uh, So we will draft our top three of, you know, things regarding that topic and our bottom three of things regarding that topic. And what, you know, what a better time to do it than to start this week with the weather warming up and, you know, me and Luke's semesters are coming to a close. We're going to talk summer activities. What are the top three and bottom three draft style? Luke, you've got the first pick on the top three you want to start top three or bottom three?
1: Um I, I like to start top three.
0: Okay. Then you've got one um, one.
1: So um I, I'm gonna take a kind of an easy one here. Um not one of the more dumber ones on my list, but it needs to be mentioned. And for me, it, it's throwing the frisbee. It, it's gotta ah. be my my first pick because I I would consider myself actually really decent at throwing the frisbee, but I never do it. Unless it's summertime, unless the weather is warm. It is, to me, strictly a summer activity to throw the Frisbee with your buddies, throw them to your dog. Like, it's just such a warm weather activity. So, yeah, I'm going to be looking forward to throwing the Frisbee today. Or not today, but this summer.
0: Yeah. As a guy that played Ultimate Frisbee in high school, um, I certainly played in the cold. It's not as fun as when it's hot. So, I can vouch for this.
1: Yeah. Sure. All
0: right. I don't. I have a couple ones that I really like, but I talked about it earlier and this is just elaborating a little more on it. It's not just going to a baseball game, but it's sitting in some really shitty seats. The summer <laughs> the summer is for like the twelve dollar nosebleed seats, and it's somehow better than spending, you know, sixty to a hundred bucks on like decent seats. <laughs>
1: I I giggle every time I go to Truist Park because if you go to a summertime evening game at Truist Park and look into the outfield, all you can do is just feel sorry for all those fans. (laughs) Yeah. The sun is on those guys the entire game, and it's hilarious.
0: Dude, nosebleeds straight up behind the plate all the way up. Like I've literally sat up there with my back against the top fence of that stadium. There's nothing better on like a warm summer night.
1: Oh, yeah. To, it, you're under the shade there, too, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely the place to be.
0: All right. What's your second?
1: So, <laughs> this is – I absolutely love doing this, and so do my friends. Um, and I, I maybe you can attest to this, too, Grayson, but uh, this, is, this is a really good one. So, for my second pick in our debut of top three, bottom three draft, I am taking – Talking to your friends about girls and never going up and talking to them. (laughs) It's like, wow, she's really pretty and then never doing anything about it. That's got to be top two. And it's It's the best. It's
0: the best in the summer.
1: It is the best in the summer. Like, wow, that would be so cool. And then never doing anything about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I'm going to do another one that is a big thing for me and my friends. Is taking day trips to rural towns. Ooh. I love it. Like get driving a few hours away, like day trip, you know, for me, it is like, you know, an hour, hour and a half away is Ella and love a good day trip to Ella tube down the river, go hit downtown, grab some food, look at some shops, like things like that. Or like go down to South Georgia, like cross through Atlanta, get rural. It, it, like there's always something fun to find down
1: there. J, man, my uh my rival county actually. They have a way better downtown yeah. than Jasper. Uh way better tubing. Of course, we don't we can't even tube where I'm from. And yeah, dude, the Cardike River is sick up there to go tube down.
0: Yeah, it, it's awesome.
1: Love it. Um all right, for my third pick, this one you know, just kind of going back to your norms. I have riding with the windows down 24/7, especially like You know, leaving work, you know, it's late, just, you know, that summer breeze coming through, you know, in the dead of night, just, it's so peaceful. You are one with the world, riding with the windows down. I'll even make it more specific, during the nighttime or evening time.
0: I I like the pick, but personally, uh, I kind of have the one-two punch of being against that, which is having long hair and having a horrible pollen allergy.
1: Oh, yeah. My <laughs> in, it Luckily, it stops in like May. So nah. luckily I can do that. But damn, that sucks. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to we used to keep metal spoons in the freezer because when I'd play outside for hours, my eyes would get so red I'd have to come in and put these frozen metal spoons on my eyes to like reduce the inflammation.
1: Does that help?
0: Yeah, it's just like really cold, so it reduces the swelling.
1: I might have to try that. That's actually a really good idea.
0: Yeah. Shout out my parents for that one.
1: My eyes always get fucked in the springtime. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Right. All right. You my, start first with the bottom well, three, no, right? I
0: still have my last, oh, my last my of the top three. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm split between two, but I think we'll do some honorable mentions at the end because I have some ones that I want to do. So this one I think is very underrated, and it's watching NFL split squad scrimmages, especially when they get in fights. Okay. <laughs> this is my, one of my favorite things that happens in the summer when training camp starts. It's more towards like the end of July and into August. We see split squad scrimmages and there's always a fight.
1: Dude, what's the one? Um, DeAndre Hopkins and uh, was it, what's his name? Hall?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I Kendall think. Hall. Yes. When yeah. he was with
0: the, the then Redskins.
1: Yeah, he's like, I only fear God, bro. Yeah, something like that, dude. D-, D Hop is a total dog, but you're right. Like, um, and what was it last year? Like Aaron Donald, uh, the Rams and the Bengals. You know yeah. what a good idea the year after they played each other in the Super Bowl to put them in like a, a spring training or a spring training gra- uh, game or a summer summer camp game. Yeah, summer camp game. And Aaron Donald apparently was reported holding two Bengal helmets. Yep, in his hand and swinging them at people.
0: Dude, it's one of the best things to do in the summer.
1: That's uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good pick.
0: All right, so now I get to flip it. And I get the first pick on the bottom three. I'm going with this one, and this is like some shit. Where like, if you know me, and we're gonna hang out this summer, don't invite me to do this shit. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay. I, I will. I will. I'll write this down.
0: Easily the worst thing about the summer is going to public lake beaches. Ooh. I fucking can't stand them.
1: I I have to disagree with you there. I,
0: I just, there's something like, okay, look, I already am not like the biggest fan of just sand in general, not a huge fan of like sitting in the sand. And like, I, I would much rather be on a boat in the middle of the lake. T- like 10 yeah. times out of 10, I'm taking that over going to public lake beaches because first of all it's not a fucking beach it's a bunch of like like it's literally there was probably pine straw there and then they just covered it in sand and call it a beach
1: (laughs) you're exactly right um the one that's um up where uh um where me and my friends are though we actually have a lot of fun at our public beach but sometimes it does absolutely suck i will say
0: yeah, like, I live right the by Alatoona. like,
1: real sand.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, like, play sand. And I live right by Alatoona. There is, like, an unlimited amount of them that I could go to, and I've been to a lot of them, and I just hate all of them.
1: <laughs> and, oh, I have a um, pretty specific one myself here, too, and I have, um, eating a popsicle. But the popsicle starts melting onto your fingers, like down the stick that you're holding. I think that that, is one of the worst feelings, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) I think that's low-key fun. I think that's the fun of eating a popsicle is how dirty it
1: is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe, but like, dude, it's just like, maybe it's just like a thing that I have with like sticky hands. But like, I'm a slow eater and I like to take time, especially with my desserts, you know? And my popsicles are always melting before I'm done with them. And it's just so annoying to feel it on my hands. And like, you have to hold it. It's not like you can't really set down a popsicle or then you're laying the popsicle on a table with, you know, pollen already on it. (laughs) Like it's just, you know, just a big, big conundrum there.
0: Okay. Well, I've got my second, my second worst would be taking a summer class.
1: Ooh, that shit
0: sucks. Like, I work for 16 weeks straight or 18 weeks straight to pass these classes, and you're telling me that you want
1: me to take more? I'm not doing that shit. (laughs) I have never taken a summer class in my entire life.
0: I'm going to end up taking one by the time I'm done with college, and that's it. Oh, man. Brutal. It is brutal. Um,
1: I have... uh When you're on like vacation with your family, like, you know, for us Georgians, we have Florida. So wherever you guys have, you know, just kind of picture this. When it rains on a beach day, it, you know, and more so that when it rains on like your first day there, horrible, horrible. It almost like sets the tone for the rest of vacation. You got to really work hard to not make the rest of the vacation like that rainy day.
0: Yeah, I like that. Look, okay. So uh, this isn't my pick, but I, personally don't like going to the beach. I like everything that's off the beach so like I like beach towns. I don't like actually entering the beach access and a rainy day doesn't really affect my day because I can still go out and do shit.
1: Yeah, that is true,
0: but i I definitely understand it.
1: Yeah, it, it's just, it's no fun. But luckily in Florida, you know, it's just scattered showers. It'll rain for like 30 minutes. It, it might actually torrentially storm for 30 minutes, and then you're fine for like the rest of the week. So, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's always a plus.
0: All right. Well, my final one, this one, it might be a little specific, but I think we can all figure out why it's here. It's going through an entire summer off season with the Raiders just to call your GM a cracker and get sent to the Patriots. That sucks when that happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does suck when um when that happens, but that would never happen.
0: No, that like but also like that happens to everybody.
1: <laughs>
0: like everybody's gone through that once or twice.
1: Oh shit dude did you did you um hear about the like fucking XFL team that Antonio Brown bought the
0: arena football team
1: the arena yeah, yeah my bad. that that's he, an like, honorable
0: mention is buying an arena football team to then not pay any of the players throughout the entire summer that it's playing
1: <laughs> and firing the head coach that yeah. like just won the super bowl of that league yeah oh man what a what a train wreck
0: all right Luke what's your worst or your third worst summer activity
1: I'm going to wrap it up with another one that's oddly specific, but um, your group of friends invites girls over to play volleyball with you, like at the beach, and the girls contribute absolutely nothing to the game. And when the <laughs> ball comes to them, it just, it's just always hitting the ground. It's serve over here, serve over. There's no, there's no volley. Where's the volley part of the volleyball? Sucks. It just really sucks. I mean, you know, you're only doing it to get the Snapchat, but I mean, still, like, you know, the game, come on.
0: Come on, Luke, we've graduated from getting Snapchats. you got to get phone numbers now.
1: That is true. Um, I I have become more of a phone number guy, but um, Snapchats are always easy still, though.
0: It is. It is. But let's go through some honorable mentions that we might have. So one of my honorable mentions for the top three is getting a sunburn, but, like, it's not that bad.
1: Oh, that yeah, that's a good one. That's, like, a
0: nice one because, like, you know you had a good
1: day. And you're not, like, you know, suffering afterwards. Yeah, like, it might hurt
0: to, like, you know, like, take your shorts off and put on, like, some, like, fresh underwear. It might hurt a little bit. It might hurt a little bit when that hot water in the shower hits it for a second. But, like, yep. it just reminds you, like, damn, yesterday was so much fun.
1: Yes, I agree. Any honorable
0: mentions you've got?
1: Um, one for the bottom three. And this kind of, you know, bouncing off of what you just said, the feeling of aloe. Really, it is very like it can be refreshing but sometimes, and especially on some parts of the body, it's just way too cold.
0: Oh yeah, I agree. Like, way yeah. Too okay, cold. Okay. Look, I'm a guy. If I get a sunburn on my chest, I'm like I'm out of I'm out of order for a few days. Like I <laughs> yeah. straight up can't move. It's it's that bad. So yeah. I've definitely been there before.
1: Went to the 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 ten day IL there.
0: Yeah. Honestly, like I uh. I had to miss a friend of mine's grad party my senior year of high school because I went out on the lake with Colin, actually, um, and got such a bad sunburn on my chest that, like, I couldn't move my arms or it would hurt my chest. And, like, I was just sitting in my bed all day. A uh, Good uh, remedy for it, though. Um, take, like, boil, like, make tea and soak a rag with tea, like green tea, and place wow. it on the sunburn.
1: You and your family remedies, man.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else?
1: No, I, I, I don't really think I'm good here. I this think was this fun. was,
0: yeah, this was very fun. I'm excited to continue doing this segment.
1: Yes. So, in some segments, it will be sports related. Or are we yeah, always going to do sports? Yeah. Random?
0: Sometimes we'll do sports. I think it'll be fun when it comes down. Like, maybe at some point, we'll do like an MLB power ranking style with this, and maybe we'll bring Colin on for it. We'll do we'll do some interesting stuff with this segment. I don't think it needs to like like it can always be like the break from sports.
1: Yeah, I think Colin would be hilarious. with Yes,
0: this. So I agree. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us. We actually kept it under two hours, and we got through tons of stuff.
1: Yep, we did. Um, if there really if there's anything else I'd have to say, it'd be you know good luck on the rest of y'all's finals, guys. I hope yes. they're going well sure you know you're checking in with your mental health as as well as studying so it's kind of what i've been having to do Uh, it's it's been brutal for me so i know it's been brutal for other people so good luck to y'all yeah and and enjoy the summer man we're almost there
0: yeah and i want to thank everybody that's been listening uh the numbers look really good right now and uh we couldn't be happier going into the summer because um it's a grind that's for sure but look out for some content coming exclusively to our social media platforms uh look out for that over the next couple of weeks we'll get that started and um it's gonna be fun so make sure you're following us on all the socials uh it is second short pod on twitter and instagram second and a and short pod on tiktok make sure you're checking out there because we're gonna be trying to pump out some content for y'all outside of the podcast.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to do. And, you know, we just can't wait to give you all more stuff to look at that is second and short. So it's exciting.
0: All right. And, um, yeah, thank you to everybody. Shout out to all of the international listeners. We get tons of downloads from Amsterdam, uh, Germany, um, where else? Brussels, Belgium. So shout out to you guys. I don't even know if you guys know what we're talking about half the time, but I appreciate it. It's going to do it for us. Peace. Peace.